leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. is a genomics company that's providing real-world monitoring of patients with autoimmune disease with from-home RNA testing to improve the management of these conditions. The company's technology not only has the potential to change the way diseases such as multiple sclerosis, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis are managed, but change the way clinical trials in these conditions are conducted. We spoke to Bob Tabrugan, CEO of Dexterity, about the company's from-home RNA test, how they work, and the potential applications of the technology. Bob, thanks for joining us. Well, very nice to uh, talk with you, Danny. Thanks for uh, giving me a call. We're going to talk about autoimmune disease, dexterity, and the company's efforts to bring the benefits of precision medicine to people with autoimmune diseases. If you think of the diseases dexterity is focused on, MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, a common element of these conditions is that patients will go through periods of remission separated by flares. For listeners not familiar with flares, can you explain what they are? Well, the easy or short version is it's a temporary worsening of a disease condition. Um, you know, autoimmune disease is different from a lot of other ones in that it goes through periods of what seems like remission, but will then go through a period of intensity where it really picks up and for not really sure why. From a, a biological point of view, what, what's happening during these flares? Uh, it's a little different in everybody. But on one level, your body, for whatever reason, has decided that it is uh, mounting a more intense uh, immune reaction against something in your system. If it's RA, it's usually a joint or the liquid in the joint. If it's something like lupus, uh, it can be anywhere throughout your body. From a, a patient point of view, what happens to someone during a flare? How does their health change? How, how are they treated? Uh, it can vary greatly. Um, in some cases, it can be just more discomfort, uh, uh, have difficulty uh, movement. For other uh, individuals, it can be really de- debilitating. They'll be unable to get out of uh, their bed. They'll be very sick, similar to as if they were had the flu very hard and very fatigued. We've seen great advances in precision medicine, the ability to develop more targeted interventions and detect diseases and earlier stages before they can be tougher to treat and do greater damage. But I'd argue that most of the efforts to date have focused on cancer, which 
you're also working in, are, are there things like autoimmune disease just more complicated or, or not as well understood, or, or is it just not as economically uh, attractive a market? Uh, well, it's a little, it's several different things. There are some commonalities uh, between cancer and autoimmune disease, uh, and it's particularly relevant, uh, relevant nowadays as immunotherapies for treating cancer come on board. Um, but there's also quite a, some differences. You know, in the U.S., we have a very strong focus on cancer, uh, the cancer moonshot and such. And autoimmune diseases, uh, you know, you tend to have to look at different types of markers, and it's a different way of treating them uh, versus a cancer. A cancer tends to be a single episode that you're really focused on trying to figure out what's gone wrong. Uh, very often, the precision medicine is based upon looking at the tumor itself and a mechanism like a mutation that has led to a change. In autoimmune disease, you need to look at a different molecule than DNA. You're looking at RNA. Uh, you can think of it as DNA's dynamic cousin. And you are looking to see what is changing in terms of how your body is reacting um, and it is this evaluation of immune response that is key to applying precision medicine. What's the potential to detect flares before they become full-blown, and, and what would the benefit of doing so be? Well, I mean, first thing is to understand the magnitude of autoimmune disease. Uh, whether people realize it or not, there's really an autoimmune epidemic in the U.S., uh, NIH estimates that there's at least 23 million individuals living with an autoimmune disease. Uh, the Autoimmune-Related uh, Disease Association estimates that number closer to 50. There's more than 80 different conditions, but some of the most prevalent tend to be RA, lupus, MS. And the difference between them is what part of your body your immune system has decided is uh, you know, is foreign, that it needs to attack as if it was a virus or a germ. If you could, for these people, have, leading a normal life is very difficult. Imagine if you were always feeling like you were fly, uh, fighting the flu. Um, and there very often is very little information to give them, uh, you know, to predict whether or not there's going to be a flare-up in their disease activity. If we can... Uh, learn how to monitor those patients effectively from home uh, to spot a flare before the change happens such that you can uh, bring them in to uh, increase their treatment or, you know, the even greater uh, moonshot would be to say, can we read not only your home monitoring of your immune system, but combine that with wearables and other information to actually identify the causes and predict them uh, long before they happen. Um, it really can be quite a significant advance. As you alluded to earlier, you're looking at a patient's RNA to detect changes in their autoimmune disease. From a detection point of view, what's the benefit of using RNA? What does it tell you? Well, RNA is, if you think about it, as DNA is your blueprint of what could happen in your body. RNA tells you what is happening in your body. It goes from DNA to RNA to proteins. The genomics revolution that's happened over the last uh, decade 
two decades has now made it possible to cost-effectively monitor that and look across uh, multiple pathways simultaneously to figure out particularly what is going wrong in a patient, why they may share the commonality of an autoimmune disease. Uh, in reality, if you look at lupus or RAs, there's really multiple different representations and subtypes of it. And it's really about figuring out for a given individual what it is that is happening in their body so that you can most effectively treat them. And are you looking at different RNA based on the specific disease you're monitoring? Well, we do a little of both. We will look at both specific RNAs for disease, but there's also common pathways that are shared. One of the first things of autoimmune is it's actually very difficult to figure out whether or not uh, what's the difference between an RA, whether a patient has RA or lupus or MS or a mixture of them. Um, it turns out you can actually have a lot of comorbidity or uh, crossing over between the diseases. And so those common pathways can let you spot things like when a patient is uh, coming up on a flare, you expect to see a kick up in what's called the plasma blasts, which are the molecules or the cells in the body that make antibodies. And if you're going to have a burst in that activity, you should see the precursor of that. And some work out of Baylor University about three years back actually showed very elegantly how if you monitor lupus patients over time, you can start to see these changes. You can also, on the other side, is if you are changing therapy on somebody or someone is on therapy, you can look at the pathways that that therapy is supposed to target and see whether or not the patient is responding to it. Um, is the drug actually working as you want? And being able to do that um, rapidly is incredibly important for a patient. One of the problems is the unknown of what is happening. They've been put on a new medication. The doctor will often say, uh, we'll come back in three months and see how is it doing. And just based on clinical symptoms, it is very difficult to make a decision of whether or not they're seeing a noticeable improvement. Uh, objective evidence, like the test that we're developing, we call it the autoimmune profile, profiler, it actually looks at 51 different genes and 11 different distinct pathways, all from a finger stick collected blood sample. Well, you mentioned the finger stick. Your, your tests are designed for at-home administration. How exactly do they work, and, and how frequently would you expect a patient to test themselves? Well, people are most familiar from a home test is for DNA testing, uh, for whether they're looking at their, uh, you know, their heritage and their ancestry. In our case, we've developed a similar kit, but instead you prick your finger and collect the blood in a device. One of the things uh, about RNA is it is inherently unstable, uh, much more so than DNA. You can extract DNA from uh amber thousands of years later, why RNA is meant to degrade quickly so your body can turn things on and off. So one of the differences between DNA and RNA is RNA needs a different stabilization technique, and we invented a, a stabilization buffer that allows this now to be shipped through normal mail and comes back to our lab, and then we can test it very inexpensively. You've been conducting clinical trials of your test. The way you're doing these tests are interesting in that you're using what you call your direct-to-patient clinical research program. 
How does this work, and were there any regulatory issues you faced in getting the FDA to sign off on that? So one of the, you know, a traditional clinical study is you go to your doctor or your research center and your your doctor can send you in. Um, That can work fine if you are doing uh, a measurement where you only need a single time point, but one of the keys of autoimmune disease is the ability to monitor patients longitudinally or over time, and it's much easier to do that if you can do that from the convenience of the home. Our direct patient study studies take advantage of social media initially to recruit patients. We then through a, go through a qualification and a consenting process. And then once someone is enrolled into our studies, we uh, are then following them uh, over time in which they're self-administrating as well as uh, their fingerstick collection as well as reporting back outcomes to us uh, through a digital uh, portal, a, a protected digital portal. We did actually engage early with the FDA to talk about being able to do this. Um, and the keys of that is, one, you have to obtain what's called uh, approval through a IRB or Institutional Review Board um, in which they're aware of what you're actually doing and the risk to the patient because it is really about protecting the patient. Um, and so we make sure we fully disclose what we are doing and what the purposes of the study um, and it's really been quite dramatic, the success that we've seen. Um, we ran a, last year two different studies, one in lupus and one in MS, and in both cases, over a 1,000 patients, uh, participants all across the U.S. Actually, we had 50 uh, participants from all 50 states um, that uh, joined our studies. Where are you in, in the effort to, to validate these tests? Uh, we're preparing right now for our validation studies. We're working with one of the leading research institutes, uh, Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation. Most people refer to it as OMRF. Um, it's in uh, Oklahoma, as the name suggests. But it's kind of like a mecca for autoimmune disease. And uh, they have a large existing group of patients in a study in which we're comparing our methodology uh, to what has been done previously and uh, looking to submit that mid-next year to the FDA. Um, We are also working with multiple uh, leading pharma companies as well as uh, key opinion leaders around the nation to run other studies to show how our tests can be used in conjunction uh, with both their research as well as monitoring changes due to uh, therapeutics. And and does your clinical trial form represent a business in itself? Is it possible to act as a service provider for other companies conducting clinical trials in these or potentially other diseases? Yes. I mean, we actually do it as part of our uh, full-service offering to uh, partner organizations. Um, Dexterity is a believer. We are uh, uh, working together with companies to get the latest things out there. We are a pet platform provider at heart. Um, we believe we have the lowest cost, highest throughput way to do RNA testing, uh, and we're the only company that has a method for doing this testing from home with self-collected samples. What's the business model? Who's ultimately the customer? Uh, the patient is. But we also believe one of the big future uh, customers wouldn't be the drug companies, it's actually the managed care and the doctors and looking to better understand what is really happening with 
the patients to figure out whether or not a drug is working for them, to be able to have a understanding behind the changes that are being seen, and you know, hopefully improve care for these patients so that they can live life, um, you know, more confidently and control their their disease. I, I suspect part of the case to make is that if you can arrest a, a flare as as it's happening and before it fully manifests itself, that this has the potential for creating cost savings in the healthcare system. How much of a barrier does reimbursement represent, and have you started those discussions, and is there some kind of demand for demonstrating this type of value proposition that you'll, you'll need to do? Well, there's definitely uh, always uh, a barrier to obtaining reimbursement, but one of the keys is the tests that Dexterity develops are designed to be inherently very low cost. Um, so we really target the $100 price point, and if you are... Uh, it's much different to obtain a reimbursement for a $100 monitoring test than it is to obtain reimbursement for a $5,000 test. Um, but the other part is what we look at is the a way to lower that barrier is to run very large uh, studies with the leading uh, KOLs out there, key opinion leaders, to really demonstrate what is the value to this, as well as running studies um, with managed cares and other organizations to prove the value to both the patient as well as lowering health costs by reducing um, the number of visits that a patient has to come uh, for, as well as getting them on the right therapy, therapy to most effectively uh, control their disease. Would you expect to be paid on a per-test basis, or are you looking at any other pricing models tied to value, such as payment based on the savings you provide? We think a bunch of uh, several different models will be used. Um, in some cases, it may be a subscription-like service where we're helping and working with a, a managed care organization to manage their patient population. Um, in other cases, it may be a specific uh, instance for monitoring over a short period for when a patient's undergoing a therapy change. Um, it will depend on what is the particular case for a patient and, and what their situation is. Bob Kabrugan, CEO of Dexterity. Bob, thanks so much for your time today. Hey, thank you, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.